0: There and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one justice seeking page of Talmud every day. Today, I'd like to jump right into the water with a passage so stirring it needs absolutely no introduction. Here goes. Anyone, the Talmud tells us, anyone who has compassion for God's creatures, it is known that he is of the descendants of Abraham, our father and anyone who does not have compassion for God's creatures, it is known that he is not of the descendants of Abraham, our father. Now look, as Abraham is the great ancestor, not only of us Jews, but also through Ishmael of so many other peoples, I'd like to think that this passage isn't just telling us that Jews alone of all nations are compassionate. Rather, I think it reminds us that compassion is as essential to Jewish thought, of course, but also to basic human dignity, to the triumph, if you will, of emphatic civilization over cruelty and savagery. Compassion is a tricky thing. It's one of those virtues that's so easy to extol in the abstract. Who would ever say they're against compassion? But so often hard to grasp and practice. When we're on the side that's called upon to give it, We can rest easy and define compassion as we wish. We could tell ourselves we're being so compassionate and graceful and good. But it's only when we're the ones in dire need of compassion ourselves that we begin to understand what it truly means. I've had a chance to learn this lesson the hard way. As veteran listeners of this here podcast already know, my father spent nearly two decades in prison for a string of bank robberies in Israel. I went from being a well-off kid who spent his days lounging by the pool at the local luxury hotel to being one of the many hard-pressed families crammed together in a small, stifling waiting room at the maximum security prison about to be searched before they're allowed a brief visit with their incarcerated loved ones. So prison reform is a cause very dear to my heart and I'm sad to say a cause that needs a lot of work. There are currently 2 million incarcerated Americans, a stunning 500% increase in the last 40 years alone. This increase has nothing to do with spiking crime rates. It has everything to do with changes in policy and with draconian laws often cheered on by corporations that benefit mightily from warehousing human beings who should otherwise be free. The U.S. leads the world, and the rates of incarceration per every 100,000 citizens. Behind us are El Salvador, Rwanda, Brazil, and Russia. We do not, in other words, follow the advice of today's Duff. We do not remember to have compassion for all of God's creatures. A while back, I was asked to take part in a wonderful conference called Social Vision. It's based on a book by the same name, by the scholar Philip Wexler. And it provides a brilliant analysis of how the teachings of the late Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the Lubavitcher Rabbi, and my Rebbe, apply to a host of social problems that plague us still. In the Rebbe's wisdom, we find not only inspiration, but illuminating ideas that go a very long way to helping us rethink our approach to everything from criminal justice reform to global warming. The Social Vision Conference gathered scholars and activists and teachers and rabbis, and we're fortunate to have a few of its sessions recorded. They're available online in podcast form at bit.ly slash socialvisionpodcast, all one word, with brief introductions from me and bite-sized nuggets of wisdom from truly some of our finest contemporary thinkers. So right now, I'd like to give you a little taste of these talks. This one is by Rabbi Shalom Lipskar, who founded the Aleph Institute, a nonprofit Jewish organization dedicated to assisting and caring for the well being of members of isolated communities and populations like U.S. military personnel and prisoners and people institutionalized or at risk of incarceration due to mental illness or addictions. Rabbi Lipskar speaks of why we need to radically change the way we treat prisoners as well as the way we think about prison itself, in order to return to the fundamental teaching we learned on today's stuff. As sons and daughters of Abraham, compassion is a key part of our DNA. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you'll check out the other talks too. Have a listen.
1: It's a great honor and pleasure to share some thoughts with you about this, what I would consider very critical subject because it deals with the fundamentals of humanity you know as we know just to give you some background america incarcerates more people than any other country in the world including the countries that are considered to be totalitarian etc we have more women in prison than any other country the general consensus and statistics will show that one in every 10 americans has someone that is close to them in prison or in the pipeline to go to prison. We basically today incarcerate close to 2 million people in our prisons, jails, county limited environments, and so forth. Just in the short period of time that I'm involved in this project, from 1981 through today, the prison population in the federal system has more than tripled, and the prison environments have more than tripled. We find that in every single aspect of modern living, as you might refer to the social vision of modern living in every aspect, sciences, medicine, every field has advanced, has changed, has come to higher levels in multiple ways. Any physician that's practicing his medical practice based on research and conclusions from 50 years ago might as well pack it up because they're considered to be irrelevant. As you know, in the intellectual college environment, it's publisher or perish, must come up with new concepts. Yet, in this field, in the prison environment or in the area of punitive measures that America has in its arsenal of dealing with various levels of crime, white collar crime, violent crime, etc. In that particular environment, though the spaces may have changed somewhat so that Most of the prisons are air-conditioned and they have better heating systems and they have more efficient ways of delivering food, particularly when you have to deliver 20,000 meals a day in some prison environments. All of that has changed. But the means by which we address the human being within that environment has not changed whatsoever. In fact, it is interesting to note, beyond the statistics of our modern society, it's interesting to recognize the fact that According to the Torah, according to the Bible, the only punishment that is not considered to be a punishment that is adjudicated to the criminal or to the one that you have to the person that needs to be punished is prison. You have, from the one extreme to the other, you have capital punishment, you have corporal punishment, you have financial punishments, and in some cases, you have environments where a person... Has to escape, but that's generally to protect themselves, such as cities of refuge, where a person is uh, guilty of manslaughter, and to protect him against those of the family that would seek to revenge that death, that wrongful death. He's protected in that environment. But in those environments, you have to supply him, you have to bring the family with him, it should be in a, at a place where he can conduct his way of life, his business. If he's a student, you have to send the teacher with him, and so forth. The unique places where there were prisons were just holding cells, very temporary holding cells, because in Jewish life, you have to have a quick trial. You could not delay the trial for weeks or months or years, as happens today, where recently I've been involved in a case where a person was waiting in the harshest of prison environments for more than three years until he went to trial because there was so much evidence that was being researched by the prosecution and and consequently by defense. That's the only time that there is a question of prison. There's also a question of prison sometimes when a person, for whatever reason, is definitely guilty of a capital punishment like murder, but for some reason there's a slight element, a slight technicality in the evidence that would not allow him to be actually executed you put them into an environment, and you feed them special foods where you guys, what you might say, almost natural. So there must be a reason for it. And the Rebbe, upon whom this whole conference is based in social vision, who took direct interest in this field, and he proclaimed multiple times that there are people sitting in environments where they are in suspended animation. When a person's in prison. It's not only that he's in prison, his family's in prison. Everybody is incarcerated to a certain degree. Some of them behind literal, physical steel bars, and some of them imprisoned in their open environments, but not able to function properly. You know, we have a society where the big scarlet letter extends not only to the person who committed the crime, but to his immediate family as well. And people get punished in such a way. The collateral damage, the consequential damage from draconian sentences that have been imposed on human beings in prison has been vast and destructive on so many levels. The statistical average of children of people who have been incarcerated or in prison to themselves end up in prison is five or six times higher than the national average of people going into prison because they are ostracized from society in a normal fashion, in a normal way. There have been even instances where people have been refused to have bar mitzvahs and shuls because their father had gone to prison as a result of criminal activity. So the Rebbe set forth and stated that we have to take a new look at this environment, particularly in recognizing that every human being created by God has a purpose and meaning in life. And when you take that person's purpose and meaning away from them, they're left without purpose and meaning, and that is a fundamental, fundamental, essential, Negative in a person's existence. And so you find even in cardiac health, there's been papers published recently, published by the, uh, a whole group from St. Luke's, Columbia, medical environment in New York, a uh, published paper on heart health. And there were five elements that they talk about in terms of heart health, which is one of the five is genetics, stress, exercise, diet, and purpose and meaning in life. It adds a whole perspective. Just to give you an example of what I mean by lose their reason for living, I'll give you a a non-official study that I did myself over the years in prison environments. I came to certain conclusions as a result of which I came into a number of prisons where prisoners had been incarcerated and were incarcerated for anywhere from 10 to 50 years. And asked them a very simple question. If you had an opportunity, I'd give you a chance to go to sleep today. And you would definitely wake up at the time that is intended. And you could wake up at the end of your sentence. And at the end of your sentence, there would be a 100% guarantee that you would wake up. Would you rather stay here for the next 10 years and do whatever you're doing, or even different than what you're doing, in this environment with the limitations that you have, or would you rather go to sleep now for that period of time to wake up? Out of 20 people, 19 said they would rather go to sleep, which tells you sleep. Which means I'd rather die for the 19 years or for the 20 years or the 10 years or 40 years and stay alive because there was no purpose in living. So the only person that time is a negative, not a virtue is people in prison. To them, time is the worst thing that they face. And in fact, when people are in prison, they call it doing time, which means what you're doing is taking away your time. You're doing time. It doesn't doing punishment, doing retribution, it's doing time. Now, to take that element in the human experience, it's simply inhuman. And that's why the Torah does not allow that kind of punishment to take place. It's an inhuman kind of punishment. And you might think that after hundreds of years of sustaining that kind of punishment in a free, developed, advanced society where... Within the last few years, you can go from one end of the world to the other telephonically in a second or a nanosecond. And you can reach the outer reaches of Mars and so forth. And you're able to enter into the fundamentals of the human psyche on most levels and to still what we call warehouse human beings, like in boxes. You put them in a box and you're in, like you walk into these big fulfillment centers. And if you want a television that's so size go. This is in A-16. This is in Z-24. You walk into a prison and just like I'm not comparing prisons to the Nazis, but people are not referred to as names. They refer to as numbers. When I walk in to visit somebody and I give them the name, they say, I'm sorry, what's his number? Without the number, you can't see him. So people become numbers. You know what numbers are? Ask the Nazis why they give people numbers instead of names. It takes away your human identity. You turn them into an object. And in the human being, an object worse than you can imagine because the mind cannot stop working. You can stop your feelings. You can desensitize. You can, so to speak, stop your behavior, your actions. When you sit on your hands or you have cuffs on your hands or you're locked away in a two-by-four cell, so to speak, an isolation, which is not an uncommon way of punishing a person, particularly during this COVID crisis where people who generally were in lighter environments, but the people were actually locked into their cells for 24-7 because of the COVID that we take it out one at a time. It's an unnatural way. And this is not a political situation or this is not Republicans or Democrats. This is a system that nobody paid attention to because these were the last people you want to pay attention to. Put them in jail and forget about it. They deserve to be there. And most people, you ask them, they say they deserve to be there. And it's the Rebbe's ideas, it's the Rebbe's, so to speak, prodding and pushing and encouraging that brought this to the forefront. The only reason I got involved in it was when I heard the Rebbe speak in 1981. The Rebbe said, he talked about printing, he says, I don't understand. He said, it's something beyond my rationality. That I've spoken about it many times. He said you go out in the street and you try to search for a person that you can help, that you can deal with, that you can give him some spiritual foundation and so for spiritual meaning in life. And he says, there are hundreds and thousands of people sitting in these environments, waiting for someone to come to teach them, someone to come to make them feel proper. Some of the most impactful influences that I've had in the prison environment was Hanukkah. When I would come in and bring my children to be with the children of the prisoners and the prisoners wouldn't understand. I said, why, what are you doing here? Who sent you here? What's your objective? I said, you're my brothers, you're my family. You're a fellow human being, you're a fellow Jew. You're a fellow human that God created. Of course, I'm here for you. There's no reason why not to be here for you. Of course, it takes a little bit of humility. It takes a sense of purpose. It takes a faith in God Almighty and what he has done in this world.